Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this toe tag. I am TJ Wolf and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a murder, mystery, and mayhem. I said that really well. Today is a bonus episode that we call a toe tag. It's the first chapter from a fresh release in the mystery crime and thriller genre. But today, we are continuing our early celebration of the July 10th release of Psychotherapy, the last in my Diamond Trilogy. And so here we are with the first chapter from Suicide Squeeze. Much Ado, or I'm sorry, I even said that my first chapter wrong. Much to do about nothing. Today was a good day to die. I should know. I picked it. Of all the days in all the years, this was the one when everything would come full circle and I would see my husband again, if you believe in that sort of thing, which it turns out, I do. My name is Diamond, and I'm a list maker. And if that makes me a nerd, well, it's not the worst I've been called. And for all you list makers out there, I did the impossible. I finished my list. Sound like I'm bragging? I'm not. Do you know what a list maker does when the list is finished? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There was no point to me anymore. There were no details left to do. The house was clean, the garbage taken out. My accounts were settled, and the letter turning over my shell company was easy to find. Donations were made of everything extra I had. I was done. In my bedroom, I sat on my bed and took off my boots. Spring was edging towards summer in this not-so-trendy part of Washington, D.C., but the hardwood floors were cold on my feet. My wedding picture sat on my nightstand. The silver-plated frame was a wedding gift. I don't remember from whom. The face I loved to wake up to smiled out at me. I touched his cheek, remembering how his whiskers scratched, missing the way he buried his face in my neck just to make me squeal. I picked up my gun. The three of us went into the bathroom and climbed into the tub. This time, death would be simple. It was just me and a bullet, diamond and lead. The man who would find me, Ian Black, he knew how to take care of a body. The plot where my husband was buried had a hers side. There was a coffin in it and a body that wasn't mine. A necessary part of burying my past life. Now, now I wish I had figured out a way to get into my coffin. I wanted to be buried next to Gabriel Ruchinsky. I knew it didn't matter where my body was. Six feet deep, bottom of a river, burned to ash, it was all the same. I was going to meet him where bodies didn't matter. Still, it would have been nice. A bullet from my heart, as broken as it was, it would still bleed, hence the tub and my uncomfortable position over the drain. The classic is the headshot, which is fine if you don't give a shit about whoever's going to be cleaning up the mess. I had a 17-year-old kid squatting across the hall, Andrew Dixon. I didn't want him to see me like that. I touched my husband's face, feeling his warmth instead of the cold glass. I hope you put a good word in for me. My voice broke. I'll need. 
the back gate buzzer sounded like the National Weather Service warning. I jumped, smacking my head on the spigot. Fucking A, that hurt. The buzzer sounded again, and I fumbled Gabrielle's picture. He fell out of the tub and landed with a smash on the white hexagon tiles. What is this world coming to when a person can't get 15 minutes of peace and quiet? Climbed out of the bathtub and shoved the narrow window as high as it would go. What? What could possibly be important enough to land that buzzer like a whore on a broken mattress? I... What? I'm not a whore. The blonde outside my gate clucked like a hen and then pushed the damn button again. Bitch! I elbowed the screen until it popped out and then shoved my gun hand out. Do it again. I dare you. The screen hit the pavement with a crash and her hand reached for the damn buzzer. What do you want? I'm looking for Diamond. Please tell me you're not her. My interruption wore designer black pants with an elegant white shirt. Her hair was wild in the breeze and her face one I've never seen before. In the flesh, I said. Doesn't tell me what you want. I have a problem, her gaze swept around the parking lot. Welcome to the club. Try Jack on the Rocks. I started to pull back. I got a note, she said hastily. Good for you, I said. I'm sure your mommy's proud. He, he said you had to read it. Oh, this was getting old. Who, I asked. His name is O'Rourke. Her voice drifted. He wants to help. Then go lay on his doorbell, I said. Oh, there was bite in her voice this time. He told me you could help. He was wrong, I said, showing teeth of my own. She tore open the letter. Did you say that was addressed to me? You can't open it. It's against federal law. Arrest me, she said. She held the paper between both hands, her brows tightening. This doesn't make sense. Don't ask. Don't ask. What the fuck does it say? It's an IOU from you, apparently, to someone named Sam Irish. Good for, and I quote, one favor you can call in any time, except between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., any place except Malta, the Yucatan Peninsula, and Gary, Indiana, for any reason unless it's stupid. She looked up at me. It's only 7. We're in Washington, D.C., and it's not stupid. Ha! I said, of course it is. I waved the gun triumphantly, catching her in an ipso facto. It's all stupid. My husband's been kidnapped, she shouted her voice breaking on the last word. He's been missing for two days. Please don't believe me. They think he's run off with a mistress. I froze, my arm, head and shoulder out the window. Fucking Irish, I muttered, looking to the sky. A crow circled overhead, swooping lower on each turn. We're not gonna let him mess this up, are we? A maniac robin appeared out of nowhere. A streak of orange raced between the buildings, banked right, on a left, and crapped on my gun hand. Fucking karma. I'm not crazy, she said, but I am desperate. He didn't leave me. I know he didn't. He, he wasn't that kind of man. Her mouth kept moving and her words started turning to blah, 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 as my gaze drifted to my husband's face, smiling out through shattered glass. When the shaky video surfaced, showing Gabrielle stumbling into the street, everyone I went to, the Italian police, the American consulate, my former employer, all of them looked at me with sympathy, but without belief. I was desperate, and it made me a little crazy. I picked up Gabrielle's picture, 
stroked his arm. I'm going to listen, I said, like I wish someone had done when you died. Save my place in line. This shouldn't take too long. Diamond, where are you? O'Rourke said you were the only one who could help me, she shouted from below. You can't ignore me. I'm not going away. She laid on the damn doorbell again. Need to electrify that. Make people pay for disturbing me. In the small hallway, the square connecting my back door, bedroom, bathroom, and kitchen was a master control panel. One press of a button and the door she faced popped open. Listening isn't a promise to do anything else, I said. I went to meet my interruption. The back door led to a hallway shared by my living space and working quarters. It was 20 feet long, wide enough for one person and a stack of boxes. Natural light filtered in through the bulletproof glass and the reinforced steel door at the end. On the other side, cast iron stairs connected the back entrance to the apartments, winding to the ground four flows below. Heeled shoes began to climb. What was Irish doing sending this woman to me? I didn't do for hire work, and he knew it. Those heels were three floors below now. Blonde hair crested the black staircase. Blue eyes followed. Her progress stopped as she scanned the landing above. Are you coming up or what? I asked. I have things to do. Are you planning to use that gun? She asked suspiciously. I looked down at the natural extension of my hand. Nothing's out of the question. Are you good with it? She asked. On a scale of one to ten. A little smile grew despite my irritation. It was a good question. I broke the scale, I said. Are you in or are you out? My interruption studied my face. In, she said. Her heels clicked up the last of the stairs. When she was on the landing, I stepped into her path. Hands out, turn around. You're patting me down? She complied, muttering ridiculous. You're the one with the gun, you know. Thorough is never ridiculous. You got ten minutes, I said. I went through the door, letting her follow, or not, her choice. I'd hear her out, connect her to people, to the help no one gave me. Fifteen minutes, twenty tops, and we'd be nothing to each other but a memory. Nine minutes, forty-five seconds, I said to her. My husband disappeared from work two days ago. She sat in the corner of the couch, knees together, fingers working the hem of her shirt. He told his assistant he was going to lunch, then he left alone, taking only his wallet and the book he was reading. When he didn't come home, I started looking for him. Her worry was evidenced by the purple tint underwriting her blue eyes. She hadn't been crying, not recently. Her eyes weren't swollen or red. Her nose wasn't running or congested. No judgment there. Not everyone's a crier. This man who sent you, O'Rourke, how did you meet him? I asked. My interruption rubbed the back of her neck. The police, they were supposed to help, but no. I didn't know how to find the kind of help I needed. Her words had a subtle lilt. Something European, perhaps? It was pleasant, slightly exotic, sounding as if every word was a secret. It added an unexpected twist to the cliché, blonde hair, blue-eyed, buxom babe. I found him on a message board, she said, and he met me at a cafe. When, I asked. She looked at her watch. Two hours ago? I had no doubt my interruption met Irish. How else would she have gotten my marker and address? But four days ago, Irish and I said goodbye. He'd gotten a new assignment and he was leaving town. 
Hasta la vista. Bon voyage. See you when I see ya. Is something wrong, she asked? No, nothing. What did... A smoke alarm interrupted the interrogation. Hold that thought. I bought this building six months before I, quote, died. The front faced a busy street, six apartments on three floors. The back of the building had another set of six apartments looking over a parking lot to the cross street. All the apartments on the top floor were mine. The smoke alarm came from the front of the building, the sound growing as I descended the stairs. Second floor, parking lot side, resided the worst cooked in the 202 area code. I pounded on the heavy door. Marianne, it's Diamond! Not waiting for an invitation, I entered by passcode that was part of my security upgrade. The lock slid open. I burst in and sprinted through the living and dining room to the kitchen. Stop that noise! An irritated woman snapped a towel at the blaring device. The alarm was mounted seven feet above the floor and it did not comply, nor should it have. Marianne, your stove is on fire! Of course it is, she shouted over the noise. I'm making blackened chicken, just like those Cajun chefs. Marianne was a cooking channel enthusiast. Two months ago, I had fire extinguishers installed in all of the kitchens after a marathon barbecue episodes had the fire department here three times in one day. I set the gun I still carried by the sink far away from the fire, pulled the extinguisher from its cradle and snuffed the flames heading for the wall. Next, I opened her back door and retrieved the ladder stored in her common hallway for just this reason. My eyeballs pulsed with the incessant noise. Hopefully they wouldn't start bleeding. I set the ladder up, climbed, and all but ripped the fucker off the wall. Silence was an ice cream cone after a late night rock concert. I don't know what happened. Marianne had a small butane torch in her hand. I was blackening the chicken when that damn thing went off. I did everything right. It looks like I made charcoal. How did they make it look so easy? They have a whole team, Marianne. My interruption had followed me down and was making herself useful by clearing the hot zone. You only see one person in front of the camera, but there's three or four people or more actually figured out the recipe, doing all the practice runs without the film running. Is that how everything stays so clean? She asked. That's cheating. I'm Marianne McNamara. Hannah Lang, the woman introduced herself, formerly known as my interruption. They do. They use all of those tricks to make cooking look easy and appealing. It's their business. Marianne pouted as she considered. The lion dogs. Did any of my chickens survive? Maybe this, Hannah said. I shook my head emphatically, clearing my throat to get Hannah's attention. I I'm sorry, no. Hannah got points for catching on. It's a complete loss. Do you have any of those chef package meals? I asked Marianne. You like those, and no fire is required. <sighs> yes, I guess I could have one of those for dinner, Marianne said. It will give me time to make this recipe I found for dessert. Bananas Foster. No, if I shouted. It wasn't unwarranted. Let's make dinner together, Hannah said, soothing Marianne. It'll be fun. I scowled. My plans for a quick exit going up in smoke. I couldn't drag Hannah Lang out of the apartment without being subject to the McNamara Inquisition for the next week. Wait, I didn't have a next week. We're in the middle of a conversation. Hannah, the clock is ticking. Of course, it was nice. 
Hannah took a step to exit, but was thwarted by a hand on her arm. You girls these days, Marianne said, pulling Hannah to the refrigerator. Always in a hurry. No time for the niceties in life. When my Angus was with me, Marianne talked about her dearly departed when she handed Hannah a package of me a packaged meal in a cute little bag. Next, Marianne went to the sink. I got a sponge, a soap, and bucket. Hannah looked between me, the woman she was trying to hire, and an old woman with a proclivity for open flames. Guess who lost? I cleaned while Hannah and Marianne cooked. I worked quickly trying to remove the sh to move the show along. It was a lost cause. The two clucked like old friends meeting at a fence line. There was a silver lining. I was able to study Hannah Lang objectively, rooting out her secrets. Okay, Marianne did the rooting. Hannah's family was from the fluid region where France and Germany abutted. She identified as German but had grown up with French cuisine. She came to the States, as we are generally known, 10 months ago and was a postdoc candidate at my alma mater, Calvert College. She had one brother back in Germany. Both her parents were dead and the husband who was missing wasn't her husband, but her almost fiance. She was worried sick about him. He was a professor, an intellectual, a homebody. He wasn't, he wasn't kidnapped, I know it. Oh, I'm sorry, he was kidnapped, I know it, Hannah said. He isn't rich, he isn't famous, he isn't special to anyone but me. He's my everything. Marianne squeezed the younger woman's shoulders. You'll do anything to get him back, won't you? Yes, I will, Hannah answered solemnly, as if making a promise. Then that's what you'll do, Marianne said with certainty. A woman can do extraordinary things for the man she loves. My Angus was a Scotsman to the bone. He worked 12 hours a day and made love to me every night. It was wrong for a man like that to get cancer. It would have taken everything he was. A woman has to protect her man. Hannah stilled, turning to squarely face Marianne. She does. I didn't think men like my Damon existed. He's funny and so smart. He writes poems for me and reads them at poetry slams, open mic nights, friends' houses. She laughed softly, a tear spilling over her cheek. He's not afraid to love me. Of course he isn't, Marianne said. A man would have to be an idiot to be afraid to love a beautiful woman like you. Ah, but that is the trick, Hannah said. Men before wanted to own me. I was a thing, not a person. They may have loved the idea of me, but not me, not the real me. I could shave my head and slice the skin from my face and Damon would still want me. Marianne blinked twice. Maybe that didn't translate well, but I, I understand what you mean. This is ready, I said. Do you have a plate? Yes, unless Diamond extinguished him. Marianne opened a cabinet next to the sink, lifting three plates. None for us, Marianne. I pocketed the butane torch to thwart ideas of Bananas Foster and anything else flambe. Hannah and I need to finish our conversation. Now, I have something to take care of tonight. Marianne's shrewd eyes studied me, seeing more than I wanted. You know how they always talk about it being darkest right before the storm? Yes, I said with some caution, not sure where she was going. This is not the time to go around running naked. And what? That is why I aspired to be an eccentric old woman. I mean, aspired. 
Marianne's phone rang. I leapt at the interruption, literally, and pulled Hannah toward the front door. No worries, I said. I haven't run naked since I gave up tequila. Answer the phone. Bye-bye. Marianne waved automatically, her mind already tuned to her caller. Well, this is a surprise, she said. I shut the door behind us and ran up the stairs. Hannah followed me up the stairs and back into my apartment. It's obvious she thinks the world of you, Hannah said. It was a nice compliment, as I thought the same of Marianne, but then I have a soft spot for troublemakers. People tend to do that when you keep their houses from burning down, I said, a lump lodged in my throat. Who would be there for her the next time? It's more than that, Hannah said. Her intonation implied that she saw through my bullshit. She cocked her head, her countenance becoming speculative. She killed her husband, didn't she? Angus. She killed him before the cancer could. I wasn't going to talk to a stranger about Marianne or anyone else in the building. Let's talk about you, I said. You aren't married, not to Damon, if that is his real name, or to anyone else. I stood next to the door, arms crossed. Hannah sank into the nearest chair. No, we aren't married, but really, why does that matter? He isn't any less missing because I'm his almost fiancé. If it didn't matter, why lie, I asked because no one will help me. Exasperation pushed her back to her feet. She paced as she talked, her hands punctuating the sentences. Oh, I just hate this. Why does a commitment have to be printed on paper and signed to be real? I don't need a ring or a dress or a cake. I love him. He loves me. That should be enough. Tell me the story, I said. From the start, zero lies, no bullshit. Hannah took a deep breath as she walked the longest path across the relatively small room. I moved here last summer after I was accepted into the graduate program at the college. I worked for a year after finishing university at home. I'm a psychologist, but without advanced degrees, I wasn't much more than a glorified assistant. I didn't have the money to go to school, but my brother said he would help. It was the best day. A smile graced the serious side of her mouth, a good memory. I submitted my application and was accepted. I sold everything I had. It was more frightening than I expected. I was used to living alone, but things here are different. Classes started, and when I wasn't working, I studied in a cafe and a bookstore. I liked the people there. Stop, I said. And this is the problem. Whenever you tell somebody to tell you the whole story, they go far, far beyond what you need to know. Tell me about this kidnapping, I said. Not your life, sorry. Oh, sorry, she said. She blew out a deep breath and started again in this century. From what I've been able to piece together, Damon left for lunch two days ago and hasn't been seen or heard since. He left alone, carried nothing but his wallet and a book. He never made it to the restaurant. No one is concerned, I said. Is there a reason? People are concerned, just not the ones wearing badges, she said. The police won't look because Damon's assistant got an email, supposedly from him, saying he needed some time to think and would be back in a few days. So someone has heard from him, I said. She slapped her hands on her thighs. He would have told me, me, not his assistant, not his supervisor, me. Damon is a planner. He didn't go out to a gross, he didn't make out a grocery list without talking it over. He would not leave for, quote, a few days without talking it through three times. He just wouldn't. She shook her head in defeat. You don't believe me either. 
Something scratched at my front door. I'm collecting facts, I said. I'm not to the believe or disbelieve point yet. I unlocked the door, still being scratched. What the hell is going on out there? A dozen puppies invaded my house. 12 times 20 pounds of yip yeps and yelps. Whoa, stop, son of a bitch. Hannah cooed, they're so cute. Catch them, I ordered. I captured the last one, too tubby to keep up with his brothers and sisters. The butane torch dug into my belly. The torch went from my pocket to a high bookshelf. Su Chen! I hung over the banister, glaring at the open door of apartment 3A. Su Chen, they escaped again! Tubbo began bathing my face with his little puppy tongue. It may or may not have gotten in my mouth. In my apartment, Hannah sat on the floor, attracting four canines. She crooned in German as they climbed over her and each other to get her attention. Being part shepherd, they wagged their tails harder. Take Tubbo, I said, dropping the lodger's largest pup into her lap. Where did the others go? I don't know, she said. I see you. Don't go under the table. I caught one little foot just before it disappeared under a chair. Two split the difference running out on either side of me. It was a classic choice of bird in the hand versus two in the bush. I kept the one I had running on my knees after the others. Su Chen Wong came in with Blossom, the puppy mama, both of whom seemed entertained by the chaos. I'm so sorry, Diamond. I doubted it. I've seen Su Chen sorry. Regret didn't make her eyes sparkle. I don't know how they got out. Didn't buy that either. Only one mammal in that apartment had opposable thumbs. Come, pup-ups. You come now. Shockingly, the pup-ups did not obey. One did squat and pee. Then a second ran through the puddle, leaving a trail of paw prints into my kitchen. Get a box, I ordered, or a basket or something. Hannah ran past me. A trail of fluff followed her. Got one. She came back in carrying my laundry basket and filled with her entourage. They're heavy. I added the one I caught. Keep them in there. Su Chen, grab the one on the couch. I lunged for a little one, making a break for it. Two more. Su Chen cleaned the floor while she gave me the apologies I knew she didn't mean. I herded the last two, leaving Hannah to guard more against more prison breaks. I deposited the last in the basket. I thought you found homes for them. Yes, Su Chen said, for most. Two more weeks, then Blossom will be ready. Right, because it was Blossom who wouldn't give up the pups. Su Chen stroked the bitch's regal head. You should take one. Be good company for you. Since my husband died, my Blossom is my companion. Su Chen, we talked about this. It's not possible. All things possible, she said over my objection. The big one. He like you. No. I hoped simple and direct would work. I'll carry the basket of escape artists down for you. Su Chen ignored me, turning her attention to Hannah, who was kissing the head of one. Lily like you. You take her home. She'd be a good guard. She's adorable, Hannah said. But I can't have a dog. Maybe someday. I picked up the really heavy, awkward basket. It was the only way to get back to our regularly scheduled program. Su Chen and Blossom followed. After depositing all of them in her living room, I climbed the stairs to get back to business. They really are adorable, Hannah said when I returned. Sure they were. They were puppies. Next time, I said they can piss on your floor. Now where were we? The glow of puppies faded. I don't know if the message was faked or he was coerced into sending it. I just know Damon would not have left town without talking it through with me. You said the police thought there was another woman, I asked. The one potential sighting of him was with a woman, she said. 
They met outside a parking garage and went in together. It wasn't him. He doesn't have a car and he already has a woman. Me. I think she kidnapped him. He went with her willingly. When she shrugged, I pressed on. Has there been a ransom? Any demands made? Thunder rolled up the front of my stairs. What the fuck was going on tonight? Was it a full moon or something? I threw open the door ready to slap down whatever stupid crisis was coming next. Diamond! 180 pounds of teen hit me hard, carrying me across the living room and plastering me to the wall. Andrew Dixon's arms wrapped tight, stealing my breath. Dix, what the fuck? I grabbed his shoulders, trying to make some space. That's when I realized he was crying. You're not dead. You're not dead. Dixon repeated the mantra into my shoulder. I felt his relief. Guilt spread over me, hot as fire. It burned away the annoyance and the irritation that I'd been running on, leaving me to choke on the cinders. Not dead. I cleared my throat, trying to get my voice back. Not yet. Squeeze any harder and a rib might pop out, though. I chuckled, inviting him to do the same. Sorry. With no trace of humor, he pulled his weight off of me. He had some awkward body contact going on. He wasn't ready to let go, but struggled with touching. Knowing he had good reasons for both, I wove my arm around his waist, putting his front to my side and looking into his face, a face that was on the verge of manhood. Dixon had escaped an abusive home and now lived in one of my penthouse apartments. He was the best mix of black and Asian. His skin tone was light for a black man, dark for Asian. His features were broad and strong, his eyes almond-shaped and dark. His black hair hung pin straight past his chin, always hiding the left side of his face. He was creeping up to six foot, but seemed taller for his long, slender arms and legs. I squeezed his waist, pulling him tight against me. Nothing happened, I said. Ian Black stood on my threshold, his expression something I couldn't name. Concern? Anxiety? Anger? He didn't soften, seeing me imitating a pancake. Just an hour ago, he and Dixon had finished a pizza and then left for a movie. It wasn't for Hannah, the fire alarm, and the puppy stampede. This scene would have been very different. It's almost as if he knew. Ian noticed the statuesque blonde for the first time, and his expression transformed from, I'm going to kill you, to, hello, baby. I'm Ian, he said. Ian Black. And you are? Hannah Lang, she said. I'm hiring Diamond to find my fiancé. He's been kidnapped. Ian walked into the room with the confidence of a man who could sell sin to a nun. You'll have to forgive Diamond, he said. She likes to brag about her brains, but she's underfunded in the manners department. He pulled a card from his wallet and offered it. As Diamond's business partner, we accept the job. He held on when she accepted the card, making a cringy moment of tug-of-war. Dix, run down to the driveway and get my bathroom screen. Casanova, can I talk to you privately? I caught a fistful of Ian's shirt as I walked by, dragging his ass into the kitchen. I don't do for hire. Ian was the most forgettable man alive. He'd never be mistaken for handsome, but he wasn't ugly. Ugly people are memorable. Ian was not. He was of average height with average coloring on an average build. Thoroughly uninteresting. Oh, don't feel bad for Ian. He banked on it. Banked on being overlooked in a crowd. Away from the five foot seven Barbie doll, Ian was back to scowling. That ordinary man paced away from me, stopping in the little hall, ignoring me. I said, I don't do for hire. Ian had talents that people relied on. He could get anything anywhere at any time. 
I called him a purveyor. People, weapons, connections, intelligence. We had been professional acquaintances during my CIA days. We weren't acquaintances anymore. I thought we were friends, but as he turned, fire blazing in those common brown eyes, the look on his face said I was wrong. What were you doing tonight? The question wasn't innocent. He looked away from me, into my bathroom. I... What was there to say? In the face of his anger, I defaulted to a lame-ass answer of every kid. Nothing. He pulled a gun from his jacket pocket and set it on the counter. It was my gun, the one I carried into Marianne's kitchen. In my hurry, I'd forgotten it. I'd been caught in the act of many things over my life. This was the only time I was speechless. Whatever is going on in that fucked up head of yours, he said, get this straight. It isn't happening. Ian never lost his cool. He was too experienced. When we worked together, he always followed my lead. He never led, always followed. His chin up, arms crossed over his thin chest. He was changing the rules. Take the job. I swallowed hard. When I spoke, though, it was with authority. We'll listen. We'll figure out what she needs and we'll get her help. But I'm not going to take the job. I rubbed a year old ache, the spot where my heart used to be. The last thing I need is someone else's problems. Ian covered my hand with his. You aren't doing this alone. Dixon will. Then I noticed it. Our hands were pressed over my heart, and the dots connected. You called them. Marianne's chicken. Su Chen's puppies. Somewhere in the middle of the previews, it clicked, he said. I knew what you were planning. I called Su Chen and then Marianne. She told me about the fire in Hannah. So mad at you right now I could choke you, but I'm not going to. Instead, we're going to go back in there and listen to what that woman has to say. He shoved me through the door, forcing me to return to the living room. Hannah stood, her posture awkward. She was uncomfortable, and I couldn't blame her, not with the carnival that was the last hour. Our apologies, Ian said, with bullshit manners. Family manners. Why don't we sit down? Door crash, slam, refrigerator door, burp. Dixon was back. How'd that get down there, Diamond? I cut him off. To recap, Hannah, your boyfriend slash fiance left work two days ago for lunch. He didn't arrive at his destination. There was a message sent to his assistant saying he was leaving town for a few days and a report that he met another woman. But those were wrong, Hannah argued to the new faces in the room. Damon isn't a spontaneous man and he isn't a cheater. Even if he left town, it was, it was because he was forced to. He... She pressed her tongue to her upper lip, stopping her wayward words. There's no point holding something back, Ian said. What Diamond doesn't find out, Dixon will. Dixon flashed an Oscar-worthy smile. Hannah cocked her head at curiosity that the head of my IT and mischief was a 17-year-old kid. His research grant is through the U.S. Army, she said. He's an expert in chemical deterrence. What he was working on was revolutionary. Maybe somebody took him for what's in his head. They don't want money. They want him. Sam Irish, the sneaky bastard, sent me the one case he thought I wouldn't walk away from. Hannah's story mirrored my own with one big exception. Her man wasn't dead. Not yet. Not that she knew. No matter what I did or didn't do for her, my husband would remain dead and buried. There was no upside for me. And I hate being managed. 
If you're right, I said in my calmest, most professional voice, then contact the Army. They have the resources to find your man. I crossed to the front door and opened it. Good luck, I said. I really hope you find him. I need you to find him. You, she said. When I shook my head, she ruthlessly turned her blue eyes on Ian. I have money. I can pay. Ten thousand. And I can get more. Damn it. His name is Dr. Damon Martin, and he's a professor at Calvert College. His life matters. Shut the front door. Boys and girls, life just got interesting. So that is the first chapter of Suicide Squeeze. It was released in 2021 from Down and Out Books and is available from Amazon and other online and book retailers. Um, so here's my review. Well, I didn't really do a review like last time since this is my book, but I have some stuff for you. So um, Suicide Squeeze is a mystery. As you guessed it, it's an um, amateur detective. Even though she's not an amateur, she's totally pro. She just doesn't work for the cops. A university chemistry professor went out for lunch and didn't come back. The cops think he skipped town, but his fiancée knows better. Desperate for answers, the fiancée, Hannah Lang, agrees to a clandestine meeting. The stranger with a reputation gives her a cryptic letter and an address. An hour later, she rings the bell. Diamond is a former CIA agent turned widow whose future is sealed. In her darkest hour, the curved fate pitches is a blonde with a situation virtually identical to her own, with one exception. Hannah's man might still be alive. Putting her suicide plans on hold, Diamond dives into the mystery, surfacing in a scavenger hunt for a secret known as Poe's Raven. It takes Diamond's flair for the impossible to capture this bird, only to discover that what's in her hand has the potential to take terrorism to a chilling new level. And fate isn't done with Diamond, forcing her to put it all on the line or risk setting the cage bird free. So bottom line, Suicide Squeeze is for you if you like fast-paced mysteries, dynamic characters, and stories meant to be read just for the fun of it. So like two weeks ago when we did the toe tag, I wanted to give you some unbiased reviews. Um, here is the one from Amazon, an excerpt from it. Like the first book, Suicide Squeeze is a fast-paced, humorous thrill ride from the beginning to the end that spans multiple continents. Even better, it, bring backs all of, it brings back all of our favorite characters from book one. Loved it and can't wait to see what the new adventures await Diamond in book three. So like the review said, this book carries on from the first book, both in style, um, keying in on the pacing and the characters. It's a solid mystery, but it's simple. It has to be to work around everything else, which is really complex. Each chapter is its own, and it also moves the story along. It was a blast to write, and it's what gives the pacing its feel. Where the story fell short of idea? Well, there aren't any negative reviews. Okay, honestly, there's like only one review up on Amazon and Goodreads, which must mean that everybody who read it just loved it. I mean, in absence of other evidence, I would say it's all five-star reviews. So, take six hours out of your reality to read Suicide Squeeze, the second Diamond Adventure. Review it. Help me get up to like 20 reviews. It would mean a lot to me. Uh, then you'll be ready uh, to finish the series with Psychotherapy, which releases July 10th. Now join us next week for the last episode of Season 6 with Detective Conley Gets Wet and Wild. 
In the tradition of Inspector Clouseau and Maxwell Smart, Detective Conley is, well, he's something you have to experience for yourself. I'll give you a hint, it's a Jack story. So with that, we will see you back here next week. Take us out, Jack. <laughs>